Welcome to the Core Women Podcast. My name is Dr. Summer Watson. I'm a doctor of psychology, podcaster, published author, coach, producer of documentary empowerment films, and empowerment seminars. This podcast is a special place for the hearts and souls of women. It is a place where women share their journeys, strength, resiliency, strategy, and passions. Today on the show, I'd like to welcome Yanmitra Waddell. She is the only Live Past Crazy Specialist. She strategically works with women to rise, mastering their source of power as a mindset mediator. Yanmitra is an Amazon international best-selling author of Fearless Woman, Born to Give Thanks and Transition to Freedom, as well as four other incredible books. She has received Author of the Year Award for two consecutive years and has had the opportunity to share the screen with the late actor Tommy Ford in the movie The Last Time. She is the founder of Be Fearless Inc., Waddle Consulting Services, and Bear Your Hair. She has an MBA in healthcare management and is currently finishing her PhD. She is a strong advocate for victims and survivors of domestic violence. At 40, she instantly understood that she had to start being who she was born to be, a leader, a teacher, trainer, thought creator, and a rebel. We have so much to talk about, Yanmitra. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. You made me sound really good. You are really good. You're awesome. I like <laughs> <Welcome>. that. <laughs> well, let's jump right into this, Yanmitra. Let's talk about your personal background. Let's talk about you. Yes. Yeah, so um, people often will say, where did you get the only live past crazy specialist from? And I will always say because I know crazy. So I am a survivor of domestic violence. And so my background, so I think I have a life, that's my marker before and after. So before that, went to college, did all the things. And then I got married um, to a gentleman who, you know, if if you could create, you know how you read the romance novels and you have all the great, oh, and he read her poetry and he lit candles. He did all of those things. So mm-hmm. I married him. I was 25 and he was 51. Got married. <laughs> and not only did I marry, uh, uh, of course, a man, but the pastor of my church. And so that created a lot of trauma and stigma inside because I'm from an extremely small town. Like my whole family went to the, to the church. And so when they found out we were married, everybody stopped coming to the church. And so here I was instantly a first lady, first time married, no family. And within three months, we had packed up and moved 345 miles away. And that would be the last time I would see my family for two years. And so I would say my journey to live past crazy started 17 years ago on July 26th. And uh, I just use that story to tell people, you know, you can live past crazy. Your story doesn't have to be my story. But I understand the journey that you go on, like the mindset from the depression to suicide to survivor to who am I to even think I can do this kind of thing. And, you know, what does that journey look like? Well, I appreciate that personal journey and you talking about that and touching on so many things in just moments. Let's talk about some of the things you confronted, young Mitra, such as depression suicide, surviving, Mm -hmm. resiliency, these things. 
So the depression, of course, when you're being abused, depression just comes along. That's part of the picture, you know, the depression. And for me, it came with depression. Then I had a baby. So it was postpartum depression. And she was, she was a whole two and a half months early. So she spent her first 31 days in the hospital. So that meant I wouldn't even allow, I didn't even see her when I had her because I was so sick. I was, couldn't see or hear out of my left side. They was afraid I was going to die. And they had to make a decision like, who, who do you want to live, your wife or your child at that moment? And so I didn't see her for maybe a good week after I had her. Uh, and they fi- I was finally able for them to wheel me in there to see her. And so now you, I left my abuser, but then I had postpartum depression because I didn't have that motherly connection that mm-hmm. you have you know, with your child. And then the depression of my abuser saying, I don't want you to take care of our child because I'm going to kill you. And be, but before I kill you, you're going to train the new wife to come in to take your place. So I wasn't allowed to change her diaper, feed her. I could do it in his presence, but I wasn't allowed to do anything with her outside of his presence. And so the postpartum and depression were, I would tell everybody it's a dark place to be. There were times when I would not even go in the bathroom and turn the light on because if I turn on the light, I would hear you're fat, you're ugly, you're stupid, you're nobody, you're never going to be anybody, you know, your mother does. And I would just hear those things when I looked in the mirror. So I wouldn't even turn on the light. I wouldn't even look in the mirror. And it took a, it took a lot of determination, um, self-help. And at the time, you don't know what you're doing because you're figuring it out. And I was like, you can't be my abuser. I can't have left you and you still have control over my mind. And at some point I got mad and I was like, well, screw you. You can't have it all. And that's when I started to work on my mindset and, you know, work, work through all of those things to, to get to the other side. And I just kept telling myself, yes, this is bad right now, but this is not our end all. This is not, we're going to, you just got to work through this. It's going to be okay. Tomorrow is another day. Well, that is incredible because you mentioned almost like a cycle of loss yes. where you've lost yourself, but how do you come back to yes. it? Yes. How do you come back to yourself? And you listened to that inner voice, mm-hmm. that intuition. Yeah. You listened and you knew that there was still a glow, still a glimmer of glow inside you mm-hmm. and that you had purpose, that you had value, that you had passion that you had a focus mm-hmm. and that was you yeah coming back to you mm-hmm. and I think a lot of women have a hard time getting or even allowing that voice to say something good point yeah really valid point because I was going to say a lot of times they don't even recognize <laughs> recognize what's happening and it's amazing that you did and it's You know, if we're talking to people out there that you don't recognize this, (laughs) listen to that inner voice. You still got that glow. You still have value. You still have purpose. You just need to figure it out. And it's a choice. Yes. It is a choice. And, and that's hard. And you talked about and touched on that. You listened to that voice, but did you have anybody around you to help lift you up? No. So when I left my abuser, I literally, Simon walked out the front door with the cell phone that I was, I was on a cordless phone, house phone. I walked out with three diapers and two bottles of milk 
a, a newborn. She'd only been home from the hospital. She was three months old, so she'd only been home less than a month, a seven-year-old. I ran to a car that held $3 worth of gas. The front tire came off if you went over 45. It had no insurance, no registration, no tag, and I had no money. And the day I left, because my abuser controlled everything, I couldn't even find the car keys. Guess where the car keys were? In his recliner, I had to flip his recliner upside down and inside the inside pocket of the recliner was the car keys. <laughs> oh my. And so when I left, literally, I left with nothing. And a state trooper pulled me over less than a mile away. And he was like, do you know you're driving an illegal car? And I was in Fairfield at the time. And I was like, listen, this is what's happening. And that $3 worth of gas took me to the next city, which is Raleigh, which is almost like a two hour drive. And I made it on that honey with that one wobbly tire and $3 worth of gas. And some former church, we, we did the shelter thing first because I was afraid he was going to come kill everybody. Sure. Yes. And so then some girl, a girlfriend of mine took us in. And if it wasn't for her, I don't know how I would have um, made it because she took care of my youngest. So when my young, the baby would cry, I would cry with her. And she was like, are you going to hold her? I had no motherly instinct towards, you know, this child. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, well, no. So she took care of her until I could do it myself. Yeah. And so my family was still 345 miles away. And I don't know why I didn't go home. I don't know why I didn't. But something in me said that I, I just refused to stop running anymore. I'm going to stand. I'm, I'm going to stay here and figure this part out. And that's that's exactly what I did. And every day I just figured out the next right. I didn't overwhelm myself. Like yeah. how many times people will give you all of these great things to do. I just needed somebody to say, Jojo, do this one thing here for this next second. And that's what I told myself. Okay, Jojo, don't worry about six o'clock tonight at 12 o'clock. This is, I just need you to do this at 12. And that's how I talked to myself to, to get past it. I think that is such wise guidance right there is that so many people are so well-intended, but when you're in a space yeah. and already feeling overwhelmed and disengaged from who you are, that <laughs> it's those small steps yes. that are meaningful. Yes. And if you can at least take that small step, which you did, mm -hmm. it makes a world of difference because those small steps lead to big things. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh my God. And that's why I'm a fan of quotes. I would tell you, I'm a nerd. And so I wasn't allowed to read books or go to the library. The first day I left, I, my friend was like, where do you want to go? I said, can I please go to the library? And I went to the library and I sat in a corner in the back and oh, I'm such a nerd. I smell the books. I picked up the book and I smelled it. Oh, <laughs> yes. yes. You know, definitely tactile where you yes. smell and you like, it's just new adventures. <laughs> yeah. And when you open that book and that, that sounds, yes. you know, especially if it has like a cover, like, yes. and, and you can crack it. Yeah, and you, oh, isn't that the best? Yeah, it's the best. And so I oh. sat in the corner and she had the girls and I was like, I just need a minute to myself. I don't know the name of this book. I couldn't tell you. I opened it up and the quote said, don't let what you cannot do interfere with what you can do. I was like, oh, okay. I wrote <laughs> that down. I wrote it down on a piece of paper in my purse 
And that became the thing that I lived by. And it's by John Wooten. And so every time I would okay. need to get overwhelmed, I would say, Jojo, focus on what you can do. Don't focus on what you can't do because you cannot worry about that. And that became my life statement. Wow. So there's your mantra. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it, it's so awesome. I absolutely gosh, there's so much depth in this and there's so much survival and it's incredible what somebody, an abuser, the extremes that person will go to, to control somebody else. And yet you escape that. So, and then I know this may be TMI, but I, I have no qualms with telling my story because I want people to understand that this really happens and it doesn't happen to be to my extent, but to know where my mindset was that even when I used the bathroom, he saw me use the bathroom one day. I'm a girl. What's the first thing your mother teach you when you go out in public? Don't sit on the toilet, right? Right. Yeah. And so one day I'm sitting on the toilet, but I put my hand under my leg because I don't like a cold toilet. Yeah, right. And he's like, what are you doing? I was like, using the bathroom. He said, why would you use it that way? I was like, I don't want to sit on a cold toilet. Like I'm peeing. What, what does it matter? Yeah. And he said, I never want to see you use the bathroom like that again. And from that day on, I had to leave the door open so he could watch me use the bathroom to make sure I was using it the way he wanted me to use it. So and and then the those things, I don't want people to, to take, oh, well, you can get over as small things like that that trigger you. And so when I would wake up in the middle of the night to pee, I wouldn't flush the toilet. So I wouldn't wake him up. And it was, and I tell you, this is a process. It wasn't to two years ago that I started flushing the toilet at night. Like even, I've been gone 17 years and it was such ingrained in me not to flush the toilet at night. I didn't even know it until one day I was like, why am I not flushing the toilet? And it, it was something that was just so ingrained in me. Now, I'm, if I wake up in the middle of the night, I make all the noise in the world. <laughs> You're like an Elvin in a china shop, right? Yeah. Oh, oh. yeah. on lights. I don't care if it's three. That's right. You're going to hear me work. Yes, I'm making all the noise. That's right. Wow. And that is significant. Those ingrained messages that control and that mapping that was created in your brain. Yes. That you went to that up until even two years ago. Yes. Yeah. Wow. So let me ask you, what would you, with all this knowledge, all this wisdom, what would you say to somebody today who might be in that situation? I would ask them two questions. One, there is nothing I'm ever going to be able to say to you that's going to convince you to leave until you're absolutely ready to leave. And number two, my counselor said something to me that hurt my feelings so bad, but I thank her every day. I called her after I left my abuser and I said, this is what he's been doing to me. And she said, Miss Waddell, do you want to live or die? I said, what, what do you mean? She was like, do you want to live or die? I was like, I'm calling to tell you this big problem. She was like, but it, it's very simple. Do you want to live or die? Now, when you figure that part out, then we can do the next step because there's nothing I can do for you if you don't know if you want to live or die. And so I think for anyone that's in that situation, you have to decide for yourself that this is what you want. And it's that, let me tell you how you know you have that free space to think that you want out. It's those moments that you have by yourself that you know that you're not making this up and that this is really crazy and that you don't deserve this. For me, 
it was the shower. I would, I didn't take a shower for the two years we were married. I'm not even ashamed to say it. The shower was my safe place. And I get in that shower and I would just repeat, I know I'm not crazy. I know I'm not crazy. And it's right there in that free space of your brain that you're telling yourself, Jojo, you are not crazy. This is not real. You have to acknowledge that. You have to know that you want to be able to, if you want to live or die. And then you have to know that even if it's just a millisecond that you think that you deserve that millisecond and you better take it. Well, thank you for that. Thank you for that guidance, you know, and, and offering that today because there may be somebody who's listening right now who just needs to hear this. Yeah. And it is so important. And remember, reach out, oh, reach yeah. out to folks. If you need help, reach out. Uh, it's so critical. There is support out there for you. There are people that do want to help. And here's the big kick. You have a power. It's called choice. Yes. It is a superpower. Yes. And we give it away every day so easily. Mm -hmm. And we forget it is our superpower. And you have that choice. And I know it's tough. Mm -hmm. If you're in a situation with all these variables coming at you where you feel like your self-worth is gone. No, it is not. You have value. You have values. And you have a choice. Yes. And so thank you for that. So let's talk about when you work with women, how do you support them through their awakening or strategy to rise? So the most important way that I do that is I hold space for them, meaning I'm going to sit there because sometimes you just want somebody to sit there and hold your hand and allow you to dump all of that feeling, that emotion, all of, because you've been carrying it and you don't know what to do with it. And so I'm the person that allows you that space that allows you to have, you know, that realization that this isn't, cause I don't think we can move past anything till we first realize that we're in this predicament first. I'm in this predicament. Now, let me relieve. I want you to feel all the feelings because you can't ignore not feeling it. Feel all the feelings. And now that you've done that, now let's start putting a step together. And I call it a live past crazy blueprint. Let's look at a blueprint that now we're going to create so that when this happens again, I know what I'm going to do. When I'm feeling this way, I know what I'm, what I'm going to do. And sometimes it's just holding space for them, you know, in that moment and giving them uh, the realization that they are, that they are powerful to make that happen. Yeah. Young Mitra, that space is so critical. It takes me back to that point where you said, even for a moment in the shower mm -hmm. where you recognize and you have that moment, you have that space, that, that moment of clarity where you're like, I'm okay. I have this choice. I can do this. I'm not crazy. Yes. And holding space for somebody just for them to, yeah. you know, <laughs> we'll it's, it out. It, it's so critical. And people, I don't think, you know, many times realize how precious space and time is. Oh yeah. Even when we get upset, we count backwards from three, two, one, yes. because that those moments they matter. give us that opportunity just to calm. Yes. Just to get back to center. Mm -hmm. And space and time so critical. So I, I love that you mentioned that. Let's talk about can you go into your books? Yes. So I've written a couple of books in the first, <laughs> so the first two are about my life. And they're called Transition, uh, Fearless Woman Born to Give Thanks and Transition to Freedom. Let me tell you the hell <laughs> I caught <laughs> when I wrote those books. One, really? When I wrote the book, my 
And here's the thing with telling the truth that we cannot concern ourselves with. Me telling the truth is highlighting someone else's inability to recognize their truth in my life. Meaning this is my truth and I can't hide the fact that you didn't support the way you said you supported. So now it's highlighting the fact that maybe you were not the best person in this situation. And a lot of people won't tell their story because they don't want to embarrass. They don't want to shame anybody else. They don't want to hurt those around us. But the longer you tell your truth, the more you strengthen your voice. And you've got to strengthen your voice. Even if the first words out are scary and shaky, the first time me telling my truth was in court. And some of the lady, I was like, you don't understand. He's going to come in here and kill me. She was like, honey, I am a black woman and I am 6'2 with a gun. He is not going to come in here and kill anybody. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. And she literally picked me up and carried me into the courtroom. And the judge had to come sit beside me as I told my story, crying, snot everywhere. It doesn't matter how you get those words out. So when I wrote book one, I got all the, why are you telling our family business? Why would you tell people that? Why would you do any of that? And book one was a lot easier. It's where I tell, you know, how we met, how we got married up until the time I left. Book two was the hardest, which is transition to freedom. I cried writing book two, just because when you stop and I think about every, cause now I'm putting it all together. Like I can see that I've lived past crazy and okay. to really see that. And I had to have that release that I didn't know that I was carrying it still. And so um, transition of freedom because everybody thought book one was, um, they thought it was a drama, something I made up. And that was how I went author of the year. They thought it was made up. I was like, no, <laughs> that's my real life. And so- um, book two allowed me that space to give the proof of what I've been through. Like, here's the court documents. Here's, you know, everything from, you know, dealing with him finding me to me going to jail. Like, how do you end up in jail trying to fight your abuser? And the system is not very supportive. And, you know, people are like, well, how would you tell these things? Because there's some woman and or man out there that needs to know that these are the steps that you can go through or if you face this this is that this is what you can do right wow oh my goodness and that takes courage it takes courage to one tell your truth yeah because people are going to come at you and they're going to say well why did you what did you ah yes mm. sometimes you just got to put those people aside <sighs> This is my truth. This is my story. And a lot of times, even when I'm writing, I'm like, okay, this is my version and they'll remain anonymous, but this is my version mm -hmm. of a story and they can tell their story. Yes. This is my version. Yeah. You know, this is my version. We each have our own version. Yes. And so you can tell your story, tell your story. Yes. And sometimes you just got to block out those people because once you do tell your story, a lot of times I get even on the podcast mm -hmm. where people are telling their story and I'm asking these questions and at the end of the podcast, they'll say, oh my gosh, Summer, I feel so much lighter. I feel so much, I feel empowered. I feel different. I told my story and I never told it that way before. That's right. And I don't I carry the in. shame of it anymore. Right. And I check back in and say, hey, do you want me to publish this? Mm -hmm. They said, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Because I need other people to hear this story. Yeah. I'm like, great. We'll go with this. Let's go. <laughs> let's go. As long as you feel good with this and you're okay, well, let's go forward. 
And I just have to embrace that and, and just thank them for being able to have the courage, muster up that courage and share that because that's tough. That can, that first step can be tough and it's in writing. It's going to stay that way. So, (laughs) and then there's that second step where you're like, okay, here's a proof, but here's where I got strategic. Yes. Here's where I started to make those changes in my life. Here's the steps that I took. And those are so critical too, because a lot of people want to make a change, want to move past, have first made that discovery of like, Ooh, maybe I'm not meant to be right here. Maybe this isn't the space that I'm meant for. I need to get out of the space. And then what do I do? Yeah. So books like yours are fabulous because they give ideas and they embolden people to like, ah, yes, I can do this too. (laughs) Yes. So thank you for writing those books. So you're getting a PhD. Yes. How's that going for you? And and what's the area of study? It is in organizational leadership. When I started that journey, it was to run hospitals. Then I worked at the number one trauma center in the Southeast and I quickly changed my mind. (laughs) Like, yeah, I don't want this life. But I do, I love how organizations run and I'm a policy and procedure kind of person. That's my wheelhouse. And so that, that's my jam. That makes me excited. I know it's a nerd thing, but that, that makes me excited. So organizational leadership. And even though I stepped away from corporate America, it's still, you know, something that I enjoy doing. Oh, absolutely. When you have a passion, that is your skill set. That's going to follow you through in everything that you do. Yes. And that's, that's, that's what's so great about all these different steps and all these things that we choose to do. Now we've got all this gained wisdom Yes, that can be applied, mm-hmm. right? Even our missteps. Oh God. Yes. Oh my gosh. Right. Yeah. So if you can get back up and you can look back at that and go, Ooh, <laughs> I have some wisdom from that. That is awesome. <laughs> I can apply that. <laughs> that's right. So anyway, we have covered so much here and there's, so much knowledge here, so much wisdom. I'm going to ask you this last question, Yanitra. If you were to leave the listeners with some words of wisdom today, what would they be? I have two quotes for you and then three things to say. Well, my first quote is you're qualified to be exceptional. You're just nervous in front of your current community. That means it doesn't matter if nobody around you believes you you are still qualified to be exceptional in what area of life that you want to be, period. There's nothing to discuss after that. And the second quote is, never close your mind to an idea simply because it's miraculous. Meaning you've got that brilliant idea that could change your life on purpose because it came to you. And if it's a miraculous idea, it is yours and you need to implement that. And so you do that three ways. You upgrade your perspective and your perception of yourself and the environment. The most important one is you trust yourself with your own power. Honey, you are so powerful. You're so powerful. You convince yourself that you are powerless every day. Every day you do that. You use your power in the opposite direction. Just imagine if you moved it over and then dare to explore more of yourself and the world around you. And if you can you know, follow those three things, if you start by now, shoot by in the morning, you're going to be a totally different person that you didn't even think about. Oh, such great guidance. Thank you, Yanmi, for being on the Poor Women podcast today. 
I am, listen, I, I'm a talker, so I enjoyed being, <laughs> I enjoyed being here. And this is for anyone. And to, to think, I was also in corporate America when I was being abused. I was the first lady of the church and I was in corporate America. So living that life and covering up the abuse and the makeup. And so I think I can speak to from every aspect of it. So if you're yeah. out there listening, you can live past crazy. Absolutely. If you would like to learn more about Young Mitra Wada, you can find her at www.livepastcrazy.com. If you need a strategic empowerment coach, contact me. If you want to tell your story of empowerment or how you have reconstructed your life to drive change, send me a video or an email of your story providing permission to use it on my social media platforms. If you want to be featured on my podcast, reach out to me at infoatcorewomen.com. I want to hear from you and to get to know you. You are now part of the Core Women Home. Let's get to know each other. Let's learn from one another. Please follow Core Women on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Please let your women friends know about this podcast. If you write about Core Women in your social media posts, please hashtag Core Women. This is all about women. Thank you for taking the time to learn more about Core Women, and please stay tuned for continued growth of the Core Women movement, Let's grow and drive change together.